Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Did we talk yeah, about that? Yeah, remember when the, you were at so- a large ass concert without like in oh, standing room? Yeah. Holy I'll shit. I'll never do that. Oh, That's, I don't mind being I in GA die. shows. I don't I don't even want to go with a seat. Like I just don't want to be around that many people and the screaming and the no. That's the ever. best part. Feeds <laughs> my soul. So what else would be on your reverse bucket list? Skydiving. I'm never going skydiving. I'm never going back to New York City. I, I like New York City myself. You have to cross so many fucking streets. You have to walk everywhere. Yeah, true. I don't like crossing. I, the I won't go back to Paris. Well, I definitely would never skydive. You could not no. pay me. Yeah, no. To nope. skydive. Dude, I can't get on a ladder. Screw that. What else? What else would you definitely not do? I have been to Disney World for the ball drop for the next the new year. Mm-hmm. I will never do that again. I mean, literally for four hours. We all tried to get to the entrance to leave from like Main Street, which is at the very front of the place. And I, I mean, for, oh, I never do anything like that again. My parents took me when I was in college. I, I wanted to die the entire time. Too many people. Holy shit. Thank God for COVID where you're not supposed to crowd each other. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's a utopia in the Keith world right now. <laughs> In the world Dude, of I don't even. I was telling somebody, I don't know if I remember how to drive. I haven't left my house in so freaking long. What about you, Vonnie? What would what what would be on your reverse bucket list? Things you would never ever want to do. Like again? No, ever. Well, or ever, or ever, or either way. Things you would never do. I mean, I'll try anything once. I don't ever have You're to do it again. Amazing. You what? are amazing. God. I could never say that. I would never skydive. Never. I think it would be cool to skydive. It looks awesome. Indoor skydiving at the place there at Quail Springs is badass. Never. Never. But you're literally in like a wind tunnel and you're like this far off the ground. Martha. Shut up. Nope. Yeah. I would probably worry more about the, the shield giving way and running into getting chopped by the giant fan than I would See? about being out in the air where... In theory, there are no giant fans. To, to. <laughs> in theory, there are no giant fans. I think you see too many sci-fi movies, Pat. Okay, I fly is like the Willy Wonka tunnel with the bubbles. The, the reason that I, I don't want to do it is because I don't like being jostled in any way, shape, or form. I, You're not jostled. I vomit at the tip of a hat. If you jostle me slightly, if I get even a little bit disoriented, I bleh, and it would be embarrassing. No, you I'm not doing die. it. Fuck that, man. Yeah, I'm going to set up like a, I'm going to like, you're going to have to do a remote there one day. That's no, what's going to happen. they sent Joey and Heather there. <laughs> oh, damn. Yep. I will Plan never have foiled. to do that. You know, I've done a lot of weird things for my job. I had, I did a water slide live on the air. How? We put a wireless microphone in a Ziploc bag. Oh my God. <laughs> was this at the water park here? No, it was in Wyoming. Oh, okay. 
We had a water park in Wyoming? It was in Gillette, of all places. It wasn't a water park there? There's a water slide. Oh. (laughs) It was a water slide. I went on the water slide. A water slide. A water slide. We, we have I was a live water on the slide air. in Casper, but yep. <laughs> I guess I can say I did it. I stood in the window of a furniture store in a Playboy bunny outfit. <laughs> what? <laughs> what else? Um, I did some pretty weird shit over the years. I'm, I'm really beginning to question the radio stations Martha's yeah. worked for. Right. Yep. The my, slide, my though, the first bucket list would be: do not put me in a room full of preschool children and ask me to be in charge for more than maybe 15 seconds. <laughs> 15 seconds, boy, that's a low threshold, Pat. That would yeah, it would be the longest 15 seconds of my life. Now, keep in mind that Pat does not have children. So well, that's not even long so, enough for the actual teacher to get out of the room and close the door all the way. Right? Exactly. Which is exactly the point, I think, for this. Yes. <laughs> I would never go into a room filled with spiders or snakes. Oh, no, me either. I agree with you there. Mm. Nope. Yeah. That, that, that would, that I mean, is, how much are you paying me to do it? Because, see, Bonnie's mm-hmm. like the ultimate, like... Hey, Dude, come why on. is the fear factor still a thing? She would I mean, like, kill. Yeah, she would. Like, I wouldn't. Spiders like, and snakes are not actually venomous. I don't I might, care. No, they only yeah. bite you if you make them angry. No, so just, that's, ah, no, no. that's the law. No. On the other hand, one of those butterfly house type things where the butterflies and the moths oh, can fly around me. at you. Oh no. Me. No, I don't do bird. <laughs> I don't do birdhouses at the zoo oh, well I anymore. Like the, I like the birdhouse at the zoo no. too. I'm fine with that. No. But if it's crawly, they didn't bother me or, as a kid, as an adult. No, or no way. doing a beekeeping type thing. Never. I would never fucking do that. Never. Oh, I have a Wasps never that's like or bees. No. no, 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 no. I have a never. I will never give up going to concerts. Never. That's, <laughs> I will that's not really something you'll never on. do, though. I mean, hey, 2020 tried really hard to force us. <laughs> I can't think of anything that I would never do for the first time, but I can tell I you know, things that I will things. never do for a second okay, time. Okay, we can, we can, okay. Yeah, let's, since you would um, never resist the urge to do something for the first time, I probably would never hitchhike again. Fair. Shit, how about the first how about, time you did it? <laughs> would you surfboard naked? You surfboard naked? I'm asking Bonnie I mean, if she would. Maybe not for an audience, but. What's I mean? It wouldn't be any different than skinny dipping. Not in the Pacific Ocean. Well, you'd be standing up on a wave and whatnot. So, I I mean, you have to get naked before you go into the ocean if you're skinny dipping. True. So, what's the difference? I'm just trying to find something that you'll recoil against. People would just think she was an ocean goddess riding the waves. Exactly. Okay. How about Duncan or a beached whale? Bungee jumping. I would bungee jump. God, I would bungee jump. Wow. And the only time that I've hitchhiked, I got in the car and the guy had a bunch of guns in his backseat. I mean, I didn't realize it until he said, I need to go by my house and drop off all my guns. And I was like, what? <laughs> and the shovel. And then he asked me if I wanted to come into his house. I was like, no, I'll just wait here oh for my you. god dexter vibes all right <laughs> back of my neck is all so, standing up now that probably wasn't the smartest thing i ever did in my life so i probably wouldn't do that again dexter doesn't use guns you have to be a bad person for him to want to kill and you that no it's not dexter that i'm person. talking about it's it's the guy 
in the second Dexter oh, series, the, the guy who's the scary the guy, guy that yeah, Dexter okay. wants to kill. Yeah. But I mean, oh. seriously, I was uh, I was younger, so I'm a young woman hitchhiking on a rural road with only forest around me, and the guy who picks me up has guns in his back seat. Can we say <laughs> thriller novel? Can we say that? Poor life choices. I'm fairly certain I've read that. <laughs> Poor life decision. <laughs> but then they ended up having a, a motorcycle club. And then she ended up one of their being one of their old old ladies, mm. and she's very okay. Happy how about, about this? Had lots of sex. Would yeah. you go to a sex party? Heck okay, yeah. wait, where they're doing sex or they're having the toys no, brought where around? Where they're doing sex? You yeah. know, where you put your keys in the bowl and you get to go with whoever, whatever. I mean, I'd try it once. If See, I didn't like God it, I didn't have, it. wouldn't have to do it again. She will That's not play. I'm trying spot. to find something you will not do. A reverse bucket list doesn't work if you don't participate. Okay, let well, me Well, a reverse bucket list. Something I you mean, will never do. That I will never do. I don't know. I don't know what I would never do. It, it would just be never do again. Um, well, my I will never, never go to a Trump again. rally and cheer loudly for him. Okay, that's something okay. I would never do. <laughs> that's something she would <laughs> that's never, something I would never do. I don't like Trump at all. I feel all. like she would go to the rally and cheer loudly against him. Possibly. That would be okay. Possibly. Well, I don't know if Although I would do that. Good way to get because the crap beaten out of you. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, yeah. that guy who picked me up hitchhiking, he would probably shoot me with those guns then. I would yeah. never attend a revival. Mm-hmm. Never of what of church rally, you know, oh, oh, once oh, in oh. the tent, you know, where everybody. Uh, no, you can't pay me enough to do that. That's on my reverse bucket list. No <laughs> revivals. I've been to some pretty freaking out there churches, so I don't know if I could say that. Oh, they were I never in a tent. Like an, an anthropological kind of just to watch it and see how bizarre it is. No, see, that's what. I, no, nope. that's, that's why like I would being go. in the just presence. And, of, I just couldn't no, do it. I would go. Didn't you do the snake handler I was monologue? Just gonna say, <laughs> I was in a play where I played the daughter of a snake handler who was killed. And I actually had to handle a snake on the stage. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. So I've already done that. Oh, that would be fun. I've already done a, that. It was a fairly small it snake. Was, a snake yeah, still. it was. It right. was not a very large snake, and it was not a but rattlesnake. Still, but it was supposed it was to be lying. a rattlesnake. Yeah. Well, okay. When I was younger, and now, mind you, these were just gardener snakes. They weren't like the poisonous kind of snakes. I used to find snakes in my grandma's yard and play with them. And I used to like to catch spiders and put them in jars and then catch um, flies and throw them in the jar with the spider so I could watch the spider eat the fly. Dexterette? (laughs) So, I mean. Dexterine? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't hurting animals. It was just the natural diet. And it was a bug. I mean, you kill bugs. What's the difference between doing that and hitting it with a fly swatter or an assault that's rifle? Like, that's like, like the saw guy being like, I didn't kill them. I just put them in the, you know, <laughs> place where they could kill each other. I just put them on the table. The saw did the work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how about would you ever? Ooh, this is a good one. Oh, I feel God. like this should be a drinking game. Like, have you ever? I think Isn't we should. That, that's you know what? Game, right? I feel like we should do that and We're, we should tape like, it for Patreon. When we do our live events, when we have everybody over here, I think we should we should tape it. We should do we the should, game and tape it. 
And then if you have to pee before you leave, you're out. <laughs> so I have to go pee outside because I've done that before too. <laughs> many, many times. You are just way too adventurous for your own good. But I bet I just I bet you would never kill I someone. I was young and stupid. I bet you would never kill someone. Again? I never told you how that hitchhiking story ended. Yeah, I think we're about ready to transition. Body in the billiards room with lead pipe. In order to keep from self-incriminating, I think we better move on to Vonnie's book. So Vonnie said she wouldn't kill somebody again, but I hear we're hearing about murder from Vonnie today. She can't Maybe. say she wouldn't. Because you just I never know. No, what if she had to protect her I was going to say, what if it's self-defense? Someone came out. it's not Echo, murder. They I would probably kill them. Exactly. It's not murder if it's self-defense. It's self-defense. There's a difference. Beat him to death with the poop bag. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible death. Hey, that would work great in the winter. That's blunt force trauma right. right there. <laughs> but it's not murder then. It's self-defense. There's a difference. Not a, not a dog, though. She just said kill somebody, not murder somebody. That's fair. Oh, that's fair. That's true. I mean, would I plan it out? Maybe. I yes. Can't, <laughs> I can't say that because it would be premeditated. <laughs> that's why this is a historical document now. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of um, murdering people, my book this week is My Sister, the Serial Killer. Yeah, good luck. Really Oyen good. Ken Braithwaite. And this book starts right off with murder and mayhem um it's about two sisters mainly corday is the older sister and aola is the younger sister and i don't know if i'm saying these right because this is actually set in nigeria so everyone's name in this book is very difficult for me to pronounce i'm not going to say strange because it's probably not strange there but it's different than anything i've heard so um, Aola, I'm just going to say Aola, Aola calls Corday and tells her that she needs her help. She needs her to come over right away because she has just stabbed her boyfriend and she needs Corday to come over and help her clean the murder scene. This is how this book starts out. And very, very early, like within the first chapter, you find out that this is the third time that she has killed her boyfriend. I'm sorry, did you say the third time? Third time. Third yeah. time she's killed her boyfriend, and every time she calls Corday, who's a nurse that works in the hospital, so is very good at cleaning up blood and stuff to help her clean up the murder scene and get rid of the body. And they throw the bodies in the river is what they do. This one specific river is they always dump the body in the same place. So it's about... Corday and Aola. Aola is um, the younger child. She's very spoiled. She's very much the favorite. And she acts like the younger child and the favorite child. She basically gets what she wants. She plays on social media. She's like in fashion kind of, but mainly she gets money from going out with these guys and guys buy her things. She's very pretty. So she's basically skated through life and um, also has, you know, murderous tendencies because she keeps killing her boyfriends. Um, she always says that they attacked her, but they're always stabbed numerous times. One of them stabbed in the back. 
So Corday's not really quite believing her. She always questions her, but she also has this very strong desire to protect her because she's the younger sister. She's helped take care of her her whole life. Um, Her father, their father was very abusive before he died. So she always protected her. I mean, it just goes a little further when you're in that kind of situation with protecting your younger child, younger sibling. So, you know, Corday's going to work. She kind of likes this young, handsome, single doctor, and she has kind of this flirty relationship with him and everything. Uh, never tells this young doctor that uh, she has a sister. And then her sister comes to the hospital one day. And the young doctor, of course, is very interested in her sister. And Corday tries to get him uninterested in her sister without telling her she kills people, but it just doesn't work. And so they start dating. And of course, Corday is like freaked out about it because her serial killer sister is dating this guy that she's very, very attracted to and has liked for a long time. And yeah, so that's basically what it's about. More people die, more things happen, but (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) I really liked it too, Bonnie. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was, I didn't know how I would like it because I wasn't quite, I mean, it's just, it's a very different kind of book for me. I don't usually read thrillers, but a lot of it is based on the relationship between these two sisters and about how Corday feels responsible for her little sister And so even though she's doing these terrible things, she's still helping her not take responsibility for him, I guess you would say, by helping her clean up murder scenes and stuff. But I mean, then it kind of makes you think, would you do that for your sister? Yeah, I would too. Martha just nodded her head. I would do the same thing for Rachel. She's basically my sister. I'd do the same thing for you guys. You're my sisters. (laughs) But as much as she feels responsible for her, she or a responsibility to help her and to keep her safe, she also has this, it's not really jealousy, this just moral obligation in her mind about doing the right thing also. Because, I mean, people are dying. There's and especially since are, it's a guy she likes. I mean, that's, it like personalizes it to a certain extent. Whereas right. before, you know, these guys she didn't know much about him or whatever. Yeah, it's it's really good. And one of the best parts of it is she can't talk to anybody about this at, at all. Because, I mean, you can't just go up and tell your best friend, oh, yeah, my sister just killed a guy last night. <laughs> <laughs> How was your evening? Yeah, had to had clean to up bury, some blood. Had to bury a body last night. No big. Dump one in the river. Another one. My back hurts Um, from all that carrying of dead flesh and whatnot. (laughs) So she starts talking to help relieve her stress to a coma patient who's in the hospital. Well, then the coma patient wakes up. (gasps) (laughs) Shit. Then he has to die. So, yeah, this, this book was really good. I didn't really know where it was going until the end of it but I didn't really try to figure it out either. So if I tried, I might've been able to figure it out, but 
sometimes just the ride is fun and it's extremely short. So if you don't want a huge commitment and just something to just brain cleanse yourself from whatever subject you usually better read than about, cheerleaders. this is a good That's one. A better brain cleanse than Megan's kind. I'd rather have murder <laughs> than cheerleaders. Unless I'm murdering cheerleaders. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock cheer until you watched it. Just saying. I'm gonna. No, I probably will to. never watch it. Nope. Okay, there's one for my... Uh, I, mean, oh, list. I will probably never watch cheer. <laughs> I'm on Bonnie's page with that. I don't know if that's the really a stretch, though. If we had not been in a pandemic and then quarantine when it came out, I'm not sure I would have watched it either. <laughs> I mean, if it has, like, limbs getting torn off like Tiger King, then maybe. Um, No, right? but you get that some really good. good, like, times where they drop girls at the pyramid and they oh. face plant. <laughs> Does the mascot go crazy and, like, take out the cheerleader pyramid? Because that no. I'd watch. I would watch I'd that. Watch that. Did you hear they're making a Tiger King movie? take us out of our murdery mood no fuzzy exactly um but i did say um i did say to somebody that it it was kind of like cozying up with a nice warm cup of tea under a warm blanket oh on a rainy day Hmm. Mm. but it's not romantic sorry that's okay you don't have to (laughs) you know what this podcast is all about freedom the freedom to read whatever the fuck you want and then talk about it. Yeah, I wasn't really apologizing to you. <laughs> okay, so the book I read this week um, is called The Department of Rare Books and Special Collections by Eva Yurchik. And thank you to Mandy at Poison Press because she sent uh, three book girls a copy to read uh, before it came out. So that was how I was able to read it. I was going to say, I'm still on out. hold for that. <laughs> Wait, what was the whole title? Department of Rare Books and what special? And special collections. Collections, okay. So this this book is about uh, Liesl, and she obviously works in the Department of Rare Books and Special Collections at this big library in a university in Toronto. And their rare books and special collections section is very special. It's like a huge deal. 
This book was really fascinating because it really gets into a whole lot of facets about rare books and collecting books and things that I've never really understood. But basically the story is that Liesl is taking over as director in an interim kind of position because her boss just had a stroke and is in the hospital and he may recover or he may not. So they're kind of waiting to see. She has to do, so she's kind of plunged into this position. She's always kind of been his right-hand man kind of thing, but they have this huge gala, I guess, kind of thing coming up for um, their patrons who have given money. And basically their lives are fundraising. They're constantly bugging the, uh, the more well-off patrons to give them money to keep collecting and acquiring books. And their latest acquisition is this $500,000 book that they got at auction. And it's this very old like set of five books. And it's an earlier printing of the, of like the kind of the Bible. And it has a name and I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like the plantain or something. Hmm. And so it's this huge deal. And for insurance reasons, as soon as it was acquired, it had to go right into this, the guy in charge of safe. And then no one was allowed to touch it until insurance got done with it and everything else. Um, and they're not sure where they are in this process. And then the poor woman can't get into the safe because she was never given the combination. So they bring in this poor guy's wife and she's not thrilled because she's supposed to be at her husband's bedside, but she knows the combination to the safe. They open it and there is nothing inside the safe. Uh. So this $500,000 set of books is just gone and they're freaking out. So they kind of um, do this weird little shuffle. They kind of try to just play dumb and say to the, to the patrons, oh, you know what? Um, we didn't get insurance like taken care of quick enough. And they show them another book. And some of these patrons are just like, hey, I want to see my book. Mm -hmm. um because they they're basically money. like this is my book because i gave you a lot of this money and it's amazing how many of them are really just i don't know anything from anything but i was kind of like oh it, they're showing another rare book that's awesome no they want to see this particular book so it's a big deal that they can't find it and they go to the president of the college who is basically telling her you cannot get police involved. You cannot have anybody come in. You cannot tell anyone. And she is basically saying to him, well, how on earth are we going to find the book and get, because it's stolen and they're looking everywhere. They're chick and they have tons of books and the books aren't just on shelves because they're special collections. So some of them are in boxes and, and then the boxes are put away. And so it's just not a matter of, going and checking shelves and things. And it's this big to do because this book, this set of books is gone. And the president is dead set against anybody getting involved because he doesn't want bad press and he doesn't want the patrons to know that their book is missing. So they're at this gala and they're trying to kind of keep everything quiet. And one of the other librarians comes up to her and is ba and basically is saying to her, I really need to talk to you. This is super important. I need to tell you something. And the president is breathing down her neck and she doesn't have time to ask the librarian Miriam what she wants. And the next day, Miriam doesn't show up. Oh, shit. 
two or three days later, because there's been a change of command, she thinks maybe I didn't hear about Miriam wanting vacation time or something. Two or three days later, she's contacting Miriam's husband who also hasn't seen her. Oh, Jesus. Now mm. she's saying to the president, okay, so a librarian's missing, books are, books are missing. Um, we need to contact the police. Still, no, you can't contact the police. So there's this, now there's two mysteries and she's this 60 something year old librarian who is just trying to do her best <laughs> keeping up in general. And now she's got all these mysteries on her hand. Um, it was not, uh, it again, it wasn't a big, ooh, twist, twist, plot twist kind of thing. But um, it was really, really interesting just learning about all the politics that are involved in a university setting in the library, which mm. is just crazy to me. And it deals really well with the misogyny that's involved because she's a woman and yeah. she's in charge of the special collections. And it's amazing seeing the level of misogyny that still exists in some facets of higher education, not just with her, but with other professors who are asking for books. And then there are also, they're talking about mental illness within this book, and that's done really authentically and very realistically. It just has so many different facets to it in trying to solve the mystery of what's happened to this book and what's happened to this librarian. It's a fascinating read. It's not one of those books that every couple of pages just jumps out at you. It's more like the kind of book that it's a stormy night and you have a warm cup of tea and you're cozying up with your blanket to read something kind of mysterious. Uh, but it's not a thriller or anything like that. But it was a really great mystery that taught me a ton of things and will make you go down a whole bunch of different rabbit holes all about learning about all these awesome books that they discuss, these rare and antique books. And I really loved it. And that again was the Department of Rare Books and Special Collections. I totally, as I read the description of the book, was thinking I read a similar type book that was about the collecting of rare books. And as you mm -hmm. know, I love that kind of thing, which is yeah. why I was really excited to read about it, because just the just all the little intricacies of how how they go about collecting mm -hmm. the books and what you do with them once you get them and, you know, the way they're stored. It's just all I find it all very interesting. Uh, Mr. Keith and I just watched a really fascinating documentary about it and how the art is dying mm -hmm. because so many books are, are not in print anymore. Mm -hmm. And reading this along with, yeah, I've never really thought about rare book collecting and antiquities and that, but it was very fascinating. It's very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it whenever it comes in. But of <laughs> course, I have to have the audio. I'm, I, yeah. I don't read electronic books. I just can't make myself do it well and this is the nice kind of mystery that it is not so super fast paced that sometimes i have a hard time with like books that are mysterious that listening to them on audio because i feel like i'm missing things mm -hmm. but this goes at a nice enough pace that and it has so many other facets in it that it's not going to be hard to follow if you're listening on audio yeah it was really good well back into the world of science fiction 
with another novella from Adrian Tchaikovsky called Someday All This Will Be Yours about the last man in history. It's about time and time wars and how someone figured out once they started inventing time machines, people figured out that time machines are the ultimate weapon. Because if you have a time machine, what better way to win your war than to go back and screw with history and just your enemy doesn't exist anymore all of a sudden. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just and erase that asshole from history. And everybody starts doing this. And time uh, basically says we, we screwed with time. We messed it up until we finally broke it. Oh. He's got he's got a great analogy. It's like time is like a Jenga game. Oh, he's got this tower. And each block, everything at the top rests on the block below it earlier in time down to. And what they did was start pulling out blocks and shoving in blocks, he says, until the whole thing just fell. And now time is like separate blocks scattered across the floor and half of them are broken. Ooh. So, I mean, I, that, that always intrigues me when you think about like when people talk about like, you know, if Hitler had been shot in World War One in the field. What would have happened? Like that mm -hmm. idea of like when you start moving pieces around, like what else gets fucked up? Yeah, the yeah. Butter butterfly in the, the rainforest. Butter butterfly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and where do you stop? I mean, because right. once you do one and that works out well, why would you? Why wouldn't you keep doing it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until until time just absolutely broke, and he is the last. He was a time soldier. He was going back and doing this stuff. And he's the last one left alive at the Aww. end of time. And he somehow sets up a gate where all of time funnels down to this spot where he is. He's got a farm. He's got robots. He's got a pet dinosaur. Dinosaur's name is Mifley. <laughs> Mifley? Mifley. Mifley the Allosaur. And she's feathered. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, so, I want one. Yeah. <laughs> so he sets it up so that anyone who invents a time machine, they funnel into this last bit of time. And he and he greets them and he makes them welcome and serves them a good dinner. And when they're not expecting it, he kills them and sticks their time machine in a barn where he's now got all <laughs> these accumulated time machines. And then takes his own time machine back to their little shard of broken time and changes things so that they never can invent time travel in that shard. Wow. Because his prom he has made this promise. He was like, we screwed up time so badly. We just totally, we broke the universe from here on forward. No more humanity. I am going to stop humanity at this point and let the universe go forward and kind of heal itself because we're just sort of a blight on things. And then somebody I shows feel like up that's in there. far too much power for one person. Yeah. <laughs> well, the question of, yeah, what, you know, because he, he sees himself as a hero. There will be another character in the later on in the book who does not see him as a hero. <laughs> Basically says, you're just a you're just a misanthropic, miserable hermit. You know, that's <laughs> what you are. <laughs> but uh, things things change when. Suddenly, someone shows up in a time machine. He goes out expecting to have to get rid of them. But he always has to find out where they come from so he can go back and then fix things in their timeline. And in the course of finding out where these people came from, they came from the future. Oh. And suddenly, everything changes. 
Oh my God, my brain hurts uh, just thinking about uh, it. I can't oh, wait so to read it. Oh my God. It's, it's so wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. I was yeah. waiting for that. <laughs> one of the one of one of the great little things is that after he kills people, or sometimes as his way of killing them, he feeds them to Mithley. Oh yeah. yay! And he explained Mithley looks kind of like a T-Rex, but she's an allosaur. And he said, I tried it with a T-Rex, but, you know, humans are a little smaller than their typical food animal. And the T-Rexes just got annoyed with all those little human bones stuck in their teeth and their little arms are too short to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a dental issue after all. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it an Allosaurus? They kind of. Oh, yep. Okay. So they're kind of like a T-Rex meets a Velociraptor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wyoming is full of allosaur bones. It was a very entertaining read. And if anyone else reads it and gets to the end, tell me what the heck you think happened, because it's one of those ones where you're not quite sure. That's what I love. I love endings (laughs) that are ambiguous enough that you can discuss them later. Yep. Yeah. And that was Someday All This Will Be Yours by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Okay, Megan. All right. I read... The Case of the Missing Marquise by Nancy Springer. And this is the first book in the Enola Holmes series. So in this series universe, Sherlock Holmes and Mycroft Holmes have a little sister named Enola. And Enola is basically spelled like alone, but backwards. And that's like like a constant theme that she's like, I'm alone. My name is Enola. Like she just talks about how she's alone. So Enola lives with their mother in their fancy manor house. And Sherlock and Mycroft are like grown. Like they're in London. He is like Sherlock already. And so one morning, on I think it's like her birth, 16th birthday, one of those teenage birthdays, Enola wakes up and discovers that her mother has disappeared. And she's left her some presents. And in true Holmes family fashion, little clues along the way (laughs) to try to like help her and guide her or like help her find her if she maybe wants to like they she leaves things in codes and throughout the book they use flowers in their coding a lot so she'll like write a message and put it in like the newspaper and it's in like code of different flowers so you have to know what each flower means to like decode the messages so she has this whole like thing of like book of flowers that she gets left and she decide in in the i want to say she's 16 but it might, she might be younger in the book than she was in the um netflix movie version but she decides that she's gonna go to london and she's gonna find her mother um well sherlock and mycroft are on their way they come to see her when message finally gets to her and of course they're expecting this prim and proper young lady because they've been like paying for these mycroft's been paying for schooling and all this stuff and she's kind of like a little feminist like she wears trousers and she bikes and she like shoots bows and arrows and does like all these kind of things because it's just been her and her mom so her mom's kind of raising her to be a badass and mycroft is just appalled like he is not having it he's like what the hell has happened in this house like because technically mycroft is in charge because he's the eldest son and her their father is gone so he is in a right fit about the fact that Enola is not being raised as a proper young lady. Sherlock is more like, whatever, (laughs) like she's fine. And so while they're there, um, she sneaks off 
to go to London and she like disguises herself and is like sneaking around and trying to outsmart Sherlock Holmes. And in my opinion, the way this character is written is she is just as smart, if not smarter than Holmes. She's almost like a step ahead of him. Like he eventually catches her. He eventually figures out like, oh, I know where she went, but like she's already moved on to the next place. So it's real. Their dynamic is kind of fun because he enjoys it. Like he's sitting back being like, oh, you got to outsmart me. Okay. So they kind of throughout all the books, but especially these ones, this first one, they go back and forth a lot. Like she's always trying to stay a step ahead and she wears disguises and stuff. But what she ends up getting kind of wrapped up in is there is a Marquise who is missing and she somehow gets tangled up with him in her travels and ends up like trying to rescue him. And like, of course he's like a fate, he's a Marquise and he's famous. So Sherlock is trying to find it. Like he's been hired to find the missing Marquise. So they're both working in the same case, but like Enola's already on the inside. Mm. So it's just a really kind of almost cat and mouse between Enola and, Ho- and, and Sherlock and just having a female version of him and a young female version of him is just a lot of fun. And I can just, I wish that universe was real, like in the Sherlock <laughs> universe. It was so good. So they're trying to get away from these villains that are trying to kidnap and kill the Marquise. And the Marquise is kind of doing his thing. And at the same time, she's still trying to like decode the messages from her mother and find her mom. So she's like working two cases at once on the run from her brothers. Mycroft tries to send her off to like finishing school at one point because he's just so upset that she's not being raised properly and her having and having to sneak out of the school and all this stuff it's really fun there i would say they're somewhere between like ya and middle grade so if that helps kind of gauge where people are i gave i ended up when i ordered them my mom ordered them for me for christmas and when amazon was filling the bag they put two copies of a couple of the books in because they're so small So I gave them to like my 10 year old cousin and was like, Hey, you might want these. Um, They're fun. And there's six or seven of them or maybe even eight of them now. Um, And each one is like a different case. And they're intriguing to see how she changes like her personality as you go through and she gets a little older, like each book, she's a little bit older. I would say if you're trying to get a young girl, like interested in reading, this would be a really good choice because it makes a character that everybody knows, Sherlock Holmes, A, it makes her makes him into like a young girl, but he's still there, so he's still familiar. And she's just kind of a badass. She doesn't give a shit what her brothers think. <laughs> and she just <laughs> goes for it and tries to outsmart them at all costs. Watching Mycroft get pissed off is fantastic because he's not as smart as Sherlock. He's never even in the main series as a smart and just I can just picture like smirking Sherlock when he realizes his little sisters outsmarted him. The series on Netflix was also really good. If anyone wants to watch that, um, Millie Bobby Brown plays Anola, the girl from stranger things. And Martha, your favorite witcher himself plays Sherlock. Henry. Yes. Dun, dun, Henry Cavill dun. is Sherlock uh, in that universe. And they're filming the second one right now. They just started filming the second season slash book. So I highly recommend The Case of the Missing Marquise by Nancy Springer. If you want a little badass mini version of Sherlock Holmes, it's like a feminist. <laughs> awesome. 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 Okay. Well, I I wrestled with myself over 
this particular book and whether to review it. Oh, because wrestling yourself. (laughs) Yes, I I wrestle myself fairly well. I'm very good. Yeah. The reason that I was hesitant to review the book is because it's a part of a series. It's 21st in a series. Jesus. But I overcame my hesitancy and have decided that I'm going to review it anyway. And the reason is because I think that personally, I think it could be read as a standalone. I don't think it really matters all that much. I've said that before about things that I've, and I've done it before. I've reviewed stuff in the middle because when it comes to detective fiction, you can get away with that sort of thing. But in this case, I think it's absolutely vital because of the subject matter. It's called Something to Hide by Elizabeth George. I've been a fan of Elizabeth George since her very first novel came out, which is a great deliverance. I absolutely love Inspector Lindley, who's the main character, but it had been a minute since I read one, and I've always liked them. I always like them. But this one had such, it really just hit me hard because it's about female genital mutilation. The way she writes these books is really interesting to me because you get through the a good first half of this book before you ever see the detectives. Hmm. She goes through the story and all of this stuff that's happening before the cops even get involved. And it's just such a, an engrossing experience because you are inside the story by the time the detective comes along and so invested in it. It follows a family that is Nigerian and they, the dad is very, just really an asshole or or what I would call an asshole, but it's part of the culture for the man to be this way. Evidently, he's going to tell his wife and child what to his wife and children, what to do, and they're going to do it. It's okay for him to go off and have an affair over here and have a whole other family in London because this does take place in London. But at the same time, be planning to sell his eight-year-old girl for a bride price to some dude in Nigeria. And in order for her to be considered clean and make a good Um. bride price, they have to have her cut. So you go like inside the underground workaround, so to speak, because obviously it's illegal. You cannot do that to a woman or a girl legally. You have to find somebody who will do it for you and you pay them under the table. And sometimes the result in one of the cases, the little girl's friend actually dies from a botched surgery. Her friend who was 12, she's eight. Her friend is 12. Her, her friend actually dies because they, they've done the surgery poorly. She, it gets infected and she dies. So it's mostly, it revolves around this really tight knit family group. The son who's very much against any of this happening. He is sort of assimilated into the culture of England as, you know, as a young man, he has a girlfriend And one day he comes home and his his dad's like, well, I found you a bride. Her name is XYZ. She lives in Nigeria and you'll be going. And he's like, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. And, you know, because it's 
they're living in a different culture and he's grown up in England. But his dad is just this, oh, it's, it's a very emotional read. And I normally don't like these kinds of books. You know, I don't, don't like anything emotional, but the fact that it was written the way it was, and I knew that there was an investigation coming, it was better because it kind of gave me hope that something good was going to happen. It was something that I, that I was able to learn about something horrible that's happening. And I really, there were a lot of things that I didn't know. So I was glad that I was able to learn about it. Um, it was really good. It was really, really good. Um, depressing as hell, but really good. <laughs> now, the, the one thing I would say is that the detective and all of that is its background. In fact, like I said, you don't even really have to know anything about the detectives. I mean, there are a couple of, couple of sections in there where they're making, you know, they're talking about Lindley and his, and his story where I almost felt like it was a distraction because it didn't matter. I didn't care about him at that point. I was more focused on the story and what was happening with that, which usually isn't the case because I like Lindley, but it was just such powerful subject matter. But if you like mysteries and if you've never read Elizabeth, Elizabeth George and you want to start at the beginning, her first novel was called A Great Deliverance, and it was excellent. At least the first one in the series of Inspector Lindley, which there is a television adaptation of him as well. So, And that was called Something to Hide by Elizabeth George. You said Elizabeth George, and uh, yeah, there's another Elizabeth George. <laughs> who's not nearly as fun as this Elizabeth George, who's a writer. Yeah, it's really funny because like when I first moved here, maybe 16, 17 years ago, uh, I did a mother's Bible study and she, this Elizabeth George wrote all the books and there were five of us and we, we hated her. It's not the same woman. I looked it up on Goodreads. I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't look it up. She always talks to you and she calls you my dear reader. And we were like, we're not your dears. Shut the hell. Oh, shit. Anyway, I guess we can go back to fun. No way. Reverse, reverse bucket list stories now. <laughs> Never would uh, I ever. It's kind of like that. It is that. It's definitely that game. Yeah. Only it's more fun to call it a reverse bucket list. Never would I ever watch an any of the episodes of Real Housewives of any place. <laughs> Those are fun. That's good. I, I think I'm probably on that same train, Pat, because I have, I have, I have watched them. I have Those watched them. I suppose if I, I got have. stuck on a space station in the middle of deep space and it was the only thing to watch, you know I probably would eventually, but. <laughs> I feel like it's the kind of thing where, I mean, I know I started watching it because I was watching like a Top Chef kind of like all day thing. And then it just kind of bled into Housewives. <laughs> and I started thinking, who are these women? They are not cooking nothing. <laughs> Why are they having cat fights? What's going on? I feel like when I was a traveling trainer, I got sucked into several episodes of the Kardashians more than once because there was nothing else on. And that kind of falls into that Real Housewives bucket. Yeah, I've I never watched they that were not either. Housewives. <laughs> I've never, I've never watched any of the uh, any of the Kardashians either. 
that's you another thing that I've seen just much. because it's been on after I've watched other yes. things. I'll tell you what, I watch a lot of weird shit that is just because I am too lazy to change the channel, which involves only pressing a freaking button, which is pretty That's lazy. pretty fucking lazy, Keith. That's Most as- of the time I have lost the remote. I mean- um, uh, You know what's funny? So at least if you lose a remote in your house, you have other people in your house to blame. I can't find my fucking Roku remote anywhere. <laughs> I saw that on your Facebook thing and I was laughing. Like, I, I need to do laundry, so I'll just tear my sheets apart. Like, it has to be in the bed somewhere. Because, I like, it's normally under my pillow, because I'll just, like, roll it's over and stick it under. It's a mystery novel. Someone's been in the house. Don't even fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a really good how-to video where somebody, like, drilled a hole in their yes! remote and then attached it to a great big red rubber like ball. squeaky toy. <laughs> yes. And then they were trying to, like get rid of it and throw it in couch cushions and shit and they and it sticks and I, out i thought holy shit that's the best thing you ever. can put like a my koosh ball on the end of that thing ever. yeah i sent it to my coworker because her kids always hide her remotes and i was like girl i solved the problem like just stick a koosh ball on the end of that thing i even <laughs> bought those chips where when you clap they're supposed to make noise and then they would make noise anytime i laughed at something on tv but they wouldn't make noise when i clapped <laughs> Which was really annoying and made me feel bad about myself and my laugh. (laughs) No, I'm going to tear that room apart tonight because I really, the other day, wanted to like nap and watch cheer in my bed because it was so cold outside. And I was like, I can't find the fucking remote. Is that that Echo? It was. She's. Yeah, it's. It's past dinner time and she's whining at me because she wants Where's food. Where's my dinner? She's like, bitch, feed me. Does your shirt say, my dog and I talk shit about you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's talking hey, shit about me right now. She is. Yeah. You need to drink coffee out of the, I'm going to tell my dog shit about you mug or whatever. I, I only talk to my dog or whatever shirt. Jesus, she sounds like a got. dying dinosaur. Well, she can't hear herself. I know. That's that's why. To funny. her, that's like a lot. There was a dog on TikTok who was deaf and trying to bark, and she was like moving her little mouth like she was barking, and there was no sound coming out. And then she got like one little like squeak out. <laughs> like they're like when your deaf dog tries to bark, <laughs> and there was just like no noise. It was so cute. Jesus, Echo, get her. <laughs> Come on, puppy. Come here. Echo, haven't you figured out how to open your own dog food at this point? Feed the dog. We'll wait. <laughs> I have a husband here who's feeding mine. Sorry. It just turned five o'clock, which means I should be hearing from mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's mine. So they got fi- a better clock than it. Mine is a five o'clock eater as well. She sits, she comes and she just sits so nicely uh-huh. right in front of the door. She doesn't. Well, and she hasn't been spoiled by all of us giving her treats like 17 times on a Saturday. Yeah, and then she goes out and eats her poop. Yeah. <laughs> when you don't give her enough treats, that's what she does. She's like, she, I'll show well, you. She, right. Then she's hungry. You're only hurting yourself. Because, you know, in the summer, she supplements her diet by foraging in the garden. Mm. Nice. She's a forager. She'll go out. You know how dogs are supposed to, grapes are supposed to be toxic to dogs? Uh-huh. That's bullshit. Your dog has disproved it. <laughs> Our dog has eaten so many grapes 
and she is not I dead. don't think I knew that grapes were supposed to be bad. Iron cast stomach. Yeah, she'll she'll eat any that dog will eat anything. I mean, they used to eat all kinds of stuff when they were like wolves. So yeah, she'll eat anything. Not grapes. She'll eat pe- hot peppers. They maybe ate grapes. They maybe ate grapes. Yeah. We don't know. She's not dead. Well, maybe she- it's like like Wesley, and he he ingested the iocane powder very slowly so that he built uh, up a tolerance. Yes. Your dog just kept eating grapes slowly and surely until she yep. built up a, until her system accepts stomach. them as proper food yeah that's right mm-hmm. i'm still feeling serious remorse on, over that last ending <laughs> i'm sorry i i mean i am ending to tell people it was all a lie and he, <laughs> he never did that we just we made it say, up we can say something about mr keith if you want this time <laughs> oh yeah that'll make it all better <laughs> I'm sure people know that we embellish a little bit. A lot. Uh, yeah. In the we'll say, ah, it was just made up. We just made it up. <laughs> His family knows it's the truth, though. <laughs> but they don't listen to the podcast. You're Thank too... God, I know. You're too dirty. too dirty. You're too lewd. <laughs> too lewd and too liberal. Loodle. They're afraid Loodle. I might talk about how the vaccine works. Loodrill. Liberal Loodrill and lewd. Loodrill. <laughs> Ludril. We're making up new words. Ludril is is lewd and liberal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm ludril. Very much. Ludril. Liberal. Ludril. I don't know. That's yeah. Sounds really just making shit up. Kind of obscene. So re- reverse bucket list. Surely there's got to be something hilarious left in that can. And Never what? will I eat another brownie that Dylan makes. Holy shit. <laughs> That's actually Aww, a pretty good one, I Bonnie. I kind of want to have one. You can have one, again. but Bo- Bo- Bonnie's never eaten one again, <laughs> I, though. I don't want one again. Holy crap. Pack I'd rather be blackout yeah. drunk. Yeah, it, that that was the kind of um, thing that was almost a almost a 911 call. <laughs> Shit, well, Bonnie. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Too much, man. Too much. All right, so we know you'll never, never eat be- a pot brownie while she's hitchhiking with the guy <laughs> with all the guns. Right? Probably the time That's, to eat the pot brownie is when you're hitchhiking with the guy with the guns to like. No, because you're man. still too aware. That's what the problem was. If I was that you, dizzy and out of it and unaware that I was dizzy and out of it, then it would have been okay. You know, like when you drink. Yeah. And the paranoia. I mean, give me seven shots of tequila and I don't give a shit that I'm dizzy. <laughs> Seven shots of tequila is a lot of fucking tequila. Funny. The saying is one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, floor. No, it doesn't work seven. that way. It doesn't work oh, that way with Bonnie. Bonnie's oh. like, I put him away, baby. She don't like get the, to seven. She's like the There's queen no- of tequila shots. We gotta, Ugh. we gotta set it up so that I will be the driver on the night of the live event, so I can just drop her off home after she's had seven shots of tequila. <laughs> if you're still need standing, to have one of the live shows sponsored by a local tequila company. <laughs> we I don't mean, have local tequila. Is there going to be a drinking game at the live show that we? That- Yes, we're is talking it, about is that a, a triple dog dare with the seven shots of tequila? Because Vonnie's <laughs> all over it. It kind of sounds like it is, Vonnie. <laughs> this could be one of her future reverse bucket list items. I would never never seven seven shots shots tequila. Oh my God. Well, I love the idea seven of shots, a- you know, seven shots of tequila and then the triple dog dare to put your tongue on the metal pole. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've never done a metal pole, but I did get my tongue stuck on a metal um, ice tray once. <laughs> Bonnie! My, pole, my yeah. brother Bonnie. got that too. Veronica! Good Lord. <laughs> You gotta use a full name in that moment. Well, I mean, there are worse things where you could get your your tongue stuck. That's all I'm saying about that. Or better things. (laughs) (laughs) That taint no lie. (laughs) (laughs) That's gonna do it for... (laughs) Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.